is going to be to us. As Phil said, our reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 1, which if you're using the church Bibles can be found on page 1173. Ephesians 1 and the whole chapter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Well, good morning to you again. And uh, thank you so much for having me and, uh, uh, and uh, letting me come here and minister to you yesterday and today. And of course, I bring greetings 
from all the brothers and sisters at Worthing Tabernacle, where I serve as senior pastor. It's really great that our partnership as churches can be uh, something that is realized, not just through the, the meetings that Phil and I may have through SGP, but to be able to share with you as well. It's a real privilege and pleasure. So thank you, and uh, it's great to be here. So keep your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And when you think about all that the Bible says about church and about churches, and, and if you were up at Great Walstead yesterday, we had a ton of verses about the church, and we were thinking that through very fully. You read these exhortations to churches. You read about all that the Lord requires of his people in church. And you maybe think, if you're like me, you maybe think, how can we have a church like that? The requirement and standard is so high. How can we achieve and live up to all that the Lord says in his word about what a church is and what a church should be? The church is the pillar of truth. It is a picture of heaven on earth. It's the place where God's glory is revealed to the world. We're the bride of Christ. We're his treasured possession, a, a holy nation of people like him for the world. A place of unity, a place of absolute purity in our relationships. How can we be all that God wants us to be? A place where we're gathered together, where we're clothed in the power of the Spirit for Jesus so we can live and, 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 and witness to him wherever we go, whether we're living, uh, whether we're studying, whether we're uh, making home with our kids, whether we're out in the workplace. The place where God speaks, the church is the place where God speaks and the dead are raised. How can we do that? How can church be that? Well, Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verses 10 to 13, Jesus said, For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is sort of saying there, well, we're a bunch of evil losers, and yet we know how to give good gifts. So how much more does our Holy Father know how to give good gifts to you? He will give us the Spirit when we ask. So let us pray now and ask that God would pour out his spirit on us, that we would hear wonderful things. Let's pray. Father, we do desire all those things that a church should be and could be. We do desire to be, as a church, the hope for our towns. We do desire to be the place where you dwell and picture heaven on earth, but we can't do it, Lord, without you. So please, Pour out your Spirit on us, the Spirit of Jesus, even now, as I speak, that Christ would be known and that his resurrection power would be known here so that we can be all these things. Please help us and talk to us. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your word, the riches of Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. 
Now, I, I love conversion stories, and I, I didn't know Phil was going to ask me how I became a Christian, uh, and, and, and maybe that, that was a help to you. It's just, I love he- hearing conversion stories. I love reading conversion stories, and as I, I've been around all the members of my church, and I've talked to them, and, and they've shared their conversion stories, I felt like a child in a sweet shop with so much goodness in front of me. And the reason I love conversion stories and hearing people's testimonies is that in those stories perhaps more than any other place we really get a sense of the resurrection power of God that he exerted in these people bringing them from darkness to light as they share their stories people who were completely messed up who were without God and without hope in the world and as far as God was concerned they were dead and buried and may as well have been cemented under a patio They were hopelessly lost. They followed the ways of the world in all that they did, the passions of the flesh, living day to day, lusting after these things, gratifying themselves in their flesh, and by nature were children of wrath. That was their lives. Children of hell, waiting to grow up into its terrifying fullness. But then... They heard someone speak about God. God who is rich in mercy in his love for us. And he didn't leave us as we are, as sons of hell. He came for us and he made us alive in Christ Jesus. Even though we were dead, even though we were totally undeserving. He raised us up to sit us down with Jesus in heaven. Maybe you know the stories of the miners in Bristol. Their faces were black from all of the coal. And tens of thousands of these hard men whose lives were full of immorality came one day to hear George Whitfield preaching. And these men had white lines down their faces because of the tears that were flowing as they heard about a God who loved them and wanted them in his life. And there, in that moment, they stop believing the devil's lies that God is against them and he's against the world. And they heard of Jesus. The resurrection power of Christ seen in people's testimonies and conversions and in our ongoing lives. I love the story of Peter. Peter the fisherman. The fisherman. He was a real kind of gung-ho man's man, wasn't he? He was, a, he was one of those outdoor guys. He was gruff. He was like, I'll go where you go, Jesus. And he drew his sword for him, which was a mistake. Real gruff fisherman. And a little girl made him cry. I love that in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. This little servant girl, perhaps no older than maybe 12 years old. She calls him out. There's one of Jesus' disciples. He's a Galilean. And he's furious, isn't he, Peter? He swears his head off. He turns the air blue with obscenities. And then he bursts into tears as he realizes what he is. His life is over. I'm an angry man. I'm a hypocrite. And for all of my talk, I can't even defend my faith to a little girl. And he's broken. But then after the resurrection, Jesus restores him. Go and tell the disciples and Peter that the Christ is risen. 
Go and tell the disciples and Peter that Christ is risen. His enemies are crushed. All those fears, all of those things that held him down have been destroyed because Christ has risen from the dead. He has been victorious over them. Peter, the power that God has for you in Christ Jesus restores you. You can be made new. And two weeks later, preacher, uh, Peter preaches that incredible sermon to, to a, a hostile crowd made up of some of the people even who were baying for the, the life of Jesus. It was an angry crowd. And Peter preaches that day about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and 3,000 people were saved and added to the church. Amazing. Such power. Such transformation. And that is what Ephesians 1 is leading us towards. I'm going to really look at the prayer this morning. We haven't got time to consider the entire chapter. Now, I've heard from Phil and from others about your your vision and desire to be a church which is worshipful, which is full of prayer, where Sundays are special. And if you're going to be that amazing church, if you're going to succeed as Jesus' witnesses to Hove and Brighton, then you need to be a praying people. A people of prayer asking for power from heaven. That very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We need that power to be unleashed here in this church and in our lives. The same power that's seen tons of people converted in this room. The power we know is real because we've experienced it in our lives. The power that says Christ is risen, he is alive, and all our enemies are conquered, and we have hope for Brighton and Hove. Look at our passage. Paul, there from verse 15, Paul has heard about this church in Ephesus, and he has not stopped praying for them. He's praying constantly, and this is what he prays, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. So Paul, in in his prayer there, he's asking for the spirit. Why? So that they would know God, that they would know him better. It's not that the Ephesians were Christians but didn't yet have the spirit. No. Look at verse 3. They have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. They're in heaven. They've got everything in Christ. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing missing. And of course, in verse 13, he says that when you heard the word of truth, the gospel that was preached, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, that was the time you were given the Holy Spirit and sealed with him on your conversion. You see, you can't be in Christ and not have the Spirit That is to divide the persons of the Godhead in a way that we're not allowed to do and can't do. No, the Ephesians didn't have to pray for something they hadn't got. They needed to pray so that they would know what they have got. That's what this is about. You need to know God better. Jesus, you need to know him better. That's how this Ephesian church was going to grow. That's how they were going to be, this amazing living letter to the people of Ephesus. A living epistle. They needed to know what they got. They needed to know it deeper. They needed to know it better, fuller, and in more reality. You need more of Jesus 
And that is the Spirit's work. He'll always reveal Jesus to you. He loves to illuminate Christ and bring you to Christ. So ask. Pray, Father of Jesus, give me more of the Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know you better. That's what I need. And that's the Spirit's great work. As a church, we've got to pray for these things. If all that we've been thinking about over this weekend is something that is going to happen, we need to be on our knees in prayer. We need to be a praying people. Lord, give me your spirit so that I would know what I have. I need to know what has happened to me. I want the reality of that day when when I was first called to be there every day, the day that my heart was beating because I'd been risen from the dead. I need to know this every day. If love is going to abound in this place and flow one person to another, we need to pray and ask for the Spirit so that we look more like Jesus and love as He loves. If forgiveness is going to be a reality, and, you know, it's church. We're going to step on each other's toes from time to time. We need to forgive each other. And so we need to pray and ask that we'd know more of Jesus and His forgiveness for us in Christ Jesus, that we would then be able to forgive our brothers and sisters. If we're going to hear any voice in church, it has to be the voice of Jesus. For he said, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and has now come where the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. John 5:25. If we're going to be unified, we need to know about the unity that Jesus reveals to us in the Godhead. How is it that the Father and the Son are one? We need Jesus to be our teacher. We need to pray and ask that we would know better our Lord. If we're going to be witnesses, if we're going to be witnesses, we need to know Jesus as well as we can and what we've done, what he's done for us. If you are going to see the dead, dead souls coming to life, the lost coming to Jesus, in the resurrection power. We need that power that he exerted to to, to continue to be exerted amongst us. We need the preaching of Jesus Christ. And for all that, we need God's Spirit to be poured out on us as a church. For the great ministry of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate Jesus Christ. See how the Holy Spirit's described here in the passage. He is the Spirit of wisdom and revelation the spirit of wisdom and revelation the apostle paul says in 1 corinthians 1 24 that christ is the wisdom of god and in john 1 verse 18 we read that jesus is the revelation of god no one has seen god but god the one and only who is from the father's side he has made him known christ makes him known the spirit of wisdom And revelation is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We need more of the Spirit of God. And if you want more of the Spirit of God in your life, don't go chasing the wind and looking for fantastic things. If you want more of the Spirit, go to the very windiest place. That is Jesus Christ. The one who is filled with the Spirit without measure. Seek Jesus. And you will find more of the Spirit. 
And if the Spirit is at work, and we pray and believe that he will be, we'll know that because Jesus will be made known in the preaching. Jesus will be adored by the people. Jesus will be lived out in our lives. He will be present in our church meetings. So we need to ask and pray that the Spirit is poured out on us that we would know him better. Second, we need, as Paul says here in verse 18, we need the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Treasure without measure. We need to know what it is that has been given to us in Christ. And we need God's Spirit to enlighten us, to make our heart beat for all the things that Jesus has given to us. What's he given us? Well, he's given us new life, yes. He's given us the forgiveness of sins. We need to know that deeply. But there's something else that Jesus has given you that this passage speaks of here. He's given you the church. He's given you each other. The riches of Jesus' glorious inheritance in the saints, in his holy people. That's the church. This is the inheritance of Jesus. You are the inheritance of Christ. You are his prize. You are all that Jesus wants and desires. You are the treasure of heaven. You are the Father's gift to the Son. And we need God's Spirit so that we would see truly the value of church, of the inheritance we have in the saints. This glorious picture. Now, when I think of treasure and riches, I, I guess in my mind, uh, I often get drawn to the idea of maybe like piles of gold coins with, with diamonds and nestling in there and maybe like flash cars, mansions, Caribbean cruises, fine clothes, all that sort of stuff. But you don't really need the Spirit to enlighten you to see the value of those things, do you? You just look at them and you go, wow! But to know the riches of our future hope, our glorious inheritance, the treasure of heaven that we start to see here on earth. Yes, we do need our hearts to be enlightened. We don't, by nature, any of us, look at our brothers and sisters, and I'm really sorry to say this, we don't look at our brothers and sisters and naturally find each other absolutely dazzling. Unless you're married, in which case you should. And you may giggle if you wish, but... We need the help of God's Spirit so that our hearts would be enlightened to recognize and, and, and know just how lovely these other people are in the eyes of Christ. Just what Jesus thinks of you. Because that's not the first thing we normally think of when we think of our brothers and sisters in church, is it? How delightful and, and how much of a treasure they are. So we need to be praying. We need to be praying for the Spirit to be poured out on us so that we would know, for Jesus to be known, and for the riches that we have to be known in him. If we're going to love one another, we need to pray. If we're going to value one another, one another as much as Jesus values us, we need heart surgery, and praying that our hearts will be open to that. Thirdly, verse 19. We need to pray and ask for the Spirit, so that we would know power. We need power. 
Well, what kind of power? When you think of, of incomparably great power, as it says here, maybe your mind's drawn to like asteroid collisions or nuclear explosions or something. You know, when we think of great power, we tend to think of destructive power. But not so here. This is the same power that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and raised him up and seated him on high. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the power you need to know right now. The power that gave Jesus victory over all our enemies. Every sin that you've ever committed, every evil that we've ever done, every wicked thought, every denial of Jesus like Peter, every outburst of rage you have as an angry man. It was the very power of Jesus Christ that conquered those things when he died on the cross. Every single thing that has ever gone wrong in your life, everything that's gone wrong in the world, he has conquered that at the cross. Every single temptation you feel, he smashed it. When you feel lost and hopeless as a Christian at home, completely overwhelmed by life, powerless in the face of a hostile world, feeling trapped, feeling like the world is caving in around you, And the whole world is on your shoulders and against you. Well, think of Jesus. For he literally had all the world against him. He had the devil against him. He had the sins of of the world on his shoulders. He had the wrath of his father poured out against him. And yet he conquered. He conquered it. And if any of you this morning are thinking, God is angry at me, I am cursed, I have sinned, I have turned my back on God, I've lived for other things, well, join the club and hear these words. Go and tell the disciples and Peter, and then insert your name, that Christ is risen. Christ is risen from the dead. The resurrection of Christ guarantees for us that all of those things have been conquered ultimately. You see, the power of the resurrection is that Jesus has beaten all of the enemies of man. Sin and death and hell. Every enemy you have has been conquered and smashed and utterly destroyed by Jesus Christ. Friends, if you look, as I do, our towns and you wonder how is God going to break through how is God going to work what is needed to see some change in our communities we need to not ask well what are we going to do about it the first question we need to ask is has Christ been raised from the dead is he risen And as we look at the people we live amongst and we work with who are not yet Christians, we need to ask, is Christ risen from the dead? Because if he is risen, then I need that power in my life. And we need that power to be unleashed in this town. Give me the same power, Lord, that there is not one sin in my life that I cannot say no to and say yes to Jesus Christ. And resist every temptation that comes my way because Christ has conquered. And I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that can stop me if I know the resurrection power of Christ. 
Jesus is risen from the dead. And all those things we fear, all those insurmountable tasks and the mountains we feel that are ahead of us, Christ has defeated all of those things. He's risen from the dead and that changes everything, doesn't it? And you need to pray and ask that the power of God would be at work in your life. We've got it all, haven't we? Really, we, we, we've got everything. We've got Jesus. We've got the power. We've got the inheritance. And the question is, do we realize that we have this? Every spiritual blessing in Christ is yours in the heavenly realms. But if we're still trying to live on our own, we'll surely fail. Because Jesus has conquered. Jesus has conquered. We, we need to live in him. We need the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him far above all things. Verse 21. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that can be invoked. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I love that. Not only has he conquered all of our problems and sins of the past, not only has he conquered all of the problems of today, but he'll be your champion for tomorrow as well. You can trust him. He's so faithful. He really is the greatest, isn't he? He has absolute authority. You have nothing to fear. If you go against Jesus Christ, he will smash you. He's the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. Anthony Joshua trembles in his boots. Stands no chance. Billions of people for thousands of years have tried to stand against Jesus and every single one of them has lost. That's why our graveyards are full. But Jesus has risen from the dead. Christ is risen. He stands victorious over all things that have ever been. Sin and violence and greed and injustice and Satan and death. Even death. He's conquered it. And the Bible says that anything that is to come in the future too, if we have fear for the future, go with Christ into tomorrow. Go with Jesus into tomorrow with confidence. He towers over all your fears. You can't beat him. You really have to join him. And this is what it goes on to say in verse 22. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What is Jesus doing all of this for? What is all this power and riches and, and glory? What's it all for? What did he defeat those enemies for? The church. For you. It's incredible, isn't it? The one who is in charge of the universe, who is in charge of all things. He's done all of this for Bishop Hannington Church in Hove. It's amazing. And he wants to be at work here. And he wants to work in this gathering of local Christians, no matter who you are, no matter what your background. He wants to work with you. He wants to be with you. And as you read the rest of the book of Ephesians, you see that, that the church in Ephesus was just like every other church. He wants to work with you if you've got problems with anger and swearing and stealing and lack of work and, and issues in marriage. Ephesians is full. Of, it's just real people with real problems. Jesus wants to reveal himself in us 
as we live out this life together in our churches. As his power is exerted in our lives, he wants to show that off to the world through you. He won't work around the church. He wants to work in the church, through the church, for the church. This is where the resurrection power of Christ will be seen in your stories, in your lives. So, how can we be the church that we long to be? How can we live out all of these these incredible things that we've been thinking about this weekend? Well, we've got everything in Jesus Christ. We've got everything. He's all we've got. But he's enough, isn't he? He's all we've got, but he is enough. And we need to know him better. We need to know him better. Whether you've been a Christian for 50, 60 years or just five minutes, you need to know him better. You need to know the riches of your inheritance in Christ as a gathered people, diamonds of grace, precious stones laid on the breastplate over the heart of Jesus who is the great high priest. That's treasure. That's richness. That's fullness. That's church. That's you. And we've got to know the mighty power of the resurrection of Jesus so that we would be that holy people taking on sin full of love, full of generosity, full of kindness, an ability to lay down our lives. For we know that we have a life to come which is full. This is what God's Spirit will do when we pray and ask. So let us be a praying church, a praying people, praying and asking that we would have these things. kind of means we've got to go to the prayer meetings. That's a great place to be praying, isn't it? for the church together and asking for these things you need to pray and I love this prayer in particular because I don't need to know I don't need to have a copy of your diary to know how to pray for you I don't need to know what's going on in your life I can pray this prayer it's very liberating we can pray this for one another whether we know each other well or not will we be a people at prayer to see all of these things happen in this church Therefore, to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, be ascribed all power, praise, authority, rule, dominion, and worship forever and ever. Amen.